Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. I am here today with my black cowboy hat, my mascara, and my leather buttless pants. Jason? <laughs> hey, I've got my, my stubble going. i got my cowboy hat. I've got my sunglasses on. i got some lipstick on. Dale? I'm ready to go. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> we've got the we've got the pyrotechnics set up here, and uh, we're we're ready to go. That is awesome, everybody. We are here for our very special episode on Poison's album "Open Up and Say Ah," released 35 years ago this month. We are super excited to be talking about that, and we are super excited to have our special guest for the day, Mr. Dale Selby. Dale, how you doing, man? Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. I love. Love being here. This is really exciting. Great to be back in Oklahoma. Big fan of the show since day one. Proud Patreon supporter of you guys and uh, really excited to be here. I anticipate nothing but a good time today (laughs) as we break this album down. Yeah, Dale has mentioned that he is a Patreon member. Guys, if you want to join up on our Patreon page and then say, hey, can you guys have us as a co-host? By all means, yes. We, We are willing to whore ourselves out just like the backup singers for Poison's first tour. Dale is a good college buddy of mine, and yeah. so it's good to see him. He's back in town. Yep. And uh, I guess the three of us all went to OU, and uh, it's a little little sooner reunion here. Yeah, exactly. We're having a good time. Yeah. All right, guys, you guys ready to talk dirty? Yes, let's talk dirty. <laughs> okay, before we get going, Dale brought us a present. I can't come in empty-handed up Man, here. Man, my gosh. What? Patreon subscriber, co-host, <laughs> gift giver. I, I, I'm pretty sure that we're going to, you know. This is gonna, really cool. Cry tough here in a second. Okay, let's see what we got here. Oh, nice. <laughs> yes. We have a Pop Rocks Brett Michaels with the bandana and everything. He's got he's throwing up the little, little horn sign. This is great. So my, my son collects these. Uh, he, he tends more towards the, the uh, Marvel and Star Wars kind, but uh, I saw this the other day and I thought, this is after we talked and you guys invited me up here, so... I thought, what better gift to bring you guys? Maybe have a little Brett Michaels watching over us as we uh, as we talk about the album. Absolutely. This Funko Pop shall be the first Funko Pop on the studio shelf <laughs> over here. Very good. Fantastic. Thank you, buddy. You're welcome. Appreciate that. That's nice. Thank okay. You. Thank you for bringing me up. Well, you've definitely primed the engine. We all rem- are now remembering what we were listening to back in 1988. Yes. And so May of that year, I can, I can remember going to Hastings Records with my mom because I was like... New Poison album is out. I I didn't buy very many albums. And so I was like, we're going. I would love to go and get this. And she's like, sure, I'll take you. And then I realized, oh, crap. This doesn't have Talk Dirty to me on it. That's the old album that has Talk Dirty to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know which one of these I, I get. Right. And my mom was like, why don't you get both? Nice. I was, that was a memorable day. Way to go, <laughs> I, I mom. Look what the cat dragged in and open up and say, ah, same day. The Can't double be taper. Yeah. Hastings Records in Central Mall, Fort Smith, Arkansas. Dale, what about you? Did you own this album? I own this album. I think I got mine at Sound Warehouse in Oklahoma City. I think if memory serves, it was at the corner of Rockwell and Northwest Highway, maybe, in Oklahoma City. So, nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, now, here's my question. Did you guys own the original cover? Yes. I, the day it came out. So I yes. don't remember. I don't think I did. Okay. So I got mine as a birthday gift from my buddy Dax Junker down the street. Dax, if you're listening, hit us up on email. Hit us up on Facebook. My 15th birthday would have been May 4th of 1988. This album dropped May 3rd of 88. And I remember he came over to my house. Gave it to me as a birthday gift. And it was the original model with the giant tongue. <laughs> what do you think about this album cover? Well, it's interesting. 
Um, the the size of the tongue leads you to believe that there's some other uh, bodily part that's suggested other than a tongue. Yes. Mm-hmm. The album title adds to that belief. Yes. And then you got the question of who is this guy? It's a girl. Or girl. Or girl. Yeah. What is she supposed to look like? Is yeah. this a cat? <laughs> <laughs> is this a demon? Is this... What is this exactly? It's like a tiger girl thing. Right. You know? So do you have an answer for us? Well, here's what I know. I know that they changed the album title to Open Up and Say Ah. Mm-hmm. The original album title was called Swallow This. Mm. A little more suggestive yes. then. Right? And right? so I think that they said, you know what? Let's clean that up just a little bit. Although I think they should rename this album. I don't like open up and say ah, but I think an album title like Nothing But A Good Time would have been a better title rather than open up and swallow this, you know what I mean? So that's just my personal opinion. By the way, this episode drops May 2nd of 2023. This album will have just turned 35 years old. Incredible. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I don't have a lot to go into on the history. We've got some incredible songs to cover, and I'll throw some tidbits in as we go through. I'll give you a very abbreviated history. So these guys were from Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. Brett Michaels, Ricky Rocket, who were not born Brett Michaels and Ricky Rocket. You got Mm -hmm. their original names for me, sir? Brett Michael Sychak. So C.C. DeVille was Bruce Anthony Johannesson, Bobby Dahl, Robert Harry Kuykendall, Ricky Rocket, was born Richard Allen Ream. Ricky yeah. Rocket gets more girls than Richard <laughs> Ream does. Yeah. So both Brett and Ricky had been involved in bands before they got together. They got together after Brett's first band, which I believe was called Laser. Is that right? Brett had a band started like in the sixth grade and he called yeah. them Laser. Yeah. And then Ricky joined, and they were called the Spectres. The Spectres. You think it was a James Bond thing? Uh, I don't think so. No. Okay. (laughs) Something about ghosts. Anyway, they didn't stick together with that band. They decided to branch out because they had more, they had bigger dreams than the rest of the band seemed to have. And one day they run into this guy who's calling himself Bobby Dahl in a. I think he was a Dairy Queen. They met him at a Dairy Queen. And he had the same ambition that they had. He had just been playing in garage bands. I think his words were, these guys had day jobs, and I wanted to play with guys who wanted to do only this. Right. I want somebody dedicated and who wants to be a rock star. Yeah. And so they got together with a guitarist, and his name was Matt Smith. Matt Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He needs to work on his stage name a little bit. Well, yeah. I don't know. It seems, I don't know when these guys came up with their other names. I think it was probably when they moved out to Hollywood, but I'm not sure. sure. But, you know, you look at bands like Guns N' Roses, who obviously wasn't wasn't a thing yet. Right. But it seemed like that was the thing to do once you got to the Hollywood Strip was rename yourself, right? Sure. Matt Smith probably didn't hang around long enough to get his stage name, it doesn't sound like. I think he got frustrated as the band was making their rounds around L.A. Yeah. Here's the deal. So he went out to L.A. with them in 83, Mm -hmm. and he left in 85. Right, before they... They hit it big in 86. Right. right. Bad timing, Matt. Just the wrong time to jump (laughs) off that train, buddy. Oh, my gosh. Now, I will give him credit. He realized he had had got his girlfriend pregnant, was like, crap, guys, I'm not going to leave my son fatherless. I love rock and roll, but I'm going to go back and be a father to my son. So all the credit in the world, this guy left the Hollywood dream and the rock and roll lifestyle 
to be a dad. Yeah. yeah. And so now they're without a guitarist and the guitar and Matt Smith was kind of the centerpiece of the music of the band. I mean, he was he was in charge of the music. Bobby Dahl was kind of in charge of the business side of things. Right. And Ricky and Brett were like, let's do the band image. And so they're without kind of their main music guy. And so they start auditioning local guitarists. And basically it comes down to two guys, C.C. DeVille. Yes. And Slash. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine Slash from Guns N' Roses and Poison? I can't. It is a fit that doesn't (laughs) fit. And I think that was kind of the primary issue. I mean, Slash is kind of an easygoing, not glamorous guy. And C.C. DeMille, they didn't like him. Like, even at the audition, they didn't like him. They're like, this guy's kind of a dick. Yeah. Wasn't playing what they asked him to play at the audition. Right. He's like, I don't want to play your music. Listen to what I've got. Mm -hmm. And now... That being said, what he had was talk dirty to me. That's right. Mm -hmm. right. Because he had come from a band... The Screaming Mimis. The Screaming Mimis. And had that song in his arsenal. And I I mean, you got to say, hey, that's not a bad idea to come in with that song and play it strong. Well, here's the thing. I think that may have been the main reason why they brought him on board. You think it was because of that song? Well, he could play. Yeah. But so all three of them thought, this guy's obnoxious. He's loud. He's rude. He's... I don't know if he's going to fit in. He rubs everybody the wrong way. He's very New York. Very Brooklyn. He's from, yeah, he's from Brooklyn. Yeah. But he's got this song. Right. And it's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think we can do something with that song. And he had the glam look that they were going for. He had grown up watching the New York Dolls and was into that kind of idea of glam metal music. Absolutely, yeah. And that fit with what these three guys had going. So I read Slash's autobiography. Uh-huh. Right, and I remember when he auditioned for Poison, he had these like come up to your knee moccasins. Yeah. And Bobby Dahl said to him, so would you like wear those type of shoes? <laughs> Slash is like, what's the matter with my shoes? You know, he's like, yeah, we don't really like those type of shoes. So they were much more interested in their image that Slash was not going to be a part of. So yeah. I think everybody ended up where they were supposed to end up. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. 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 By the way, CeCe DeVille almost ended up in Striper. Yeah, that would have been weird. That would have been I mean, a Christian rock band. Yeah. Well, hey, Striper, people forget this. Striper was a big name on the on the Sunset Strip. And they did have some success. They had a, a big selling album in on MTV. They were big in my junior high years. They were. Yeah. They were. Now then, they have not sustained that success. But CeCe DeVille has since become a born and grown Christian. So maybe he would fit better now <laughs> than he did at that time. Okay, so these guys became popular on the Sunset Strip. Yep. Popular with the girls especially. They had girls who were like, hey, can we come clean your apartment and bring bring you groceries? Yes. Just for the opportunity to hang out with the pretty boys in the band. Sure. The pretty boys who, like the other bands we've talked about, all were crashing together in the same ratty apartment. But they weren't successful enough to pull a major record label. What they got was this smaller record label called Enigma. That's a mystery to me. Uh, That joke, you knew it was coming. Uh 
And so Enigma is the one that puts together their very first album, the album we just talked about, Look What the Cat Dragged In. Now, this album was made for $30,000. That, I mean, if you just imagine how much is spent on so many other albums that we've talked about, and the, the success of this album, to think that they did it all for $30,000, a lot of which they paid for themselves. Right. Right, they didn't have the benefactor that, like all of the other bands we've talked about, these guys invested in themselves, and it paid off. They started touring with Rat and Cinderella, and... Suddenly, little by little, the album started to take off. First single off of that album was Cry Tough. Right. I pointed out to you guys, I you know, it'd been a while since I listened to it from the beginning, and we went into detail on a song that was an, a major factor back in the 60s by the Ronettes called Be My Baby. Same drum it's introduction. Same drum introduction. Same drum yeah. introduction, right? But here we come in with this metal awesomeness in the guitar, and it's a totally different song, but it's not that single that does it for them. It's the one that CC brought to the band that makes them who they are. Okay, so here's the thing. When they released Cry Tough, it had a little bit of success. They released it on MTV. I don't remember it being a success. I don't either. And the record company said, hey, for your first record out of the gate, you've done pretty well. You've sold 250,000 copies. That's pretty good. Let's go back in the studio. Let's make album number two. And they're like, what are you talking about? We, we've got other songs we want to release. They're like, no, it's too expensive. And so Brett had to beg, borrow, and steal and basically fund that video for Talk Dirty to me. He's like, listen guys, we need one more single out of this. And so they scraped together $7,000. They invited all their friends out and they filmed Talk Dirty to Me and it goes through the roof. I remember when this was a huge song on MTV. Oh, yeah. 7,000 bucks, that's nothing mm -hmm. back in the day. So this album goes on to become the most successful album for Enigma in all of its history. Yeah, and Talk Dirty to Me is the song that made me want to go out and buy the album that we're going to talk about today, which is their second album, Open Up and Say Ah. Before we go track by track, I've got a little bit on Open Up and Say Ah. Now, this album sold 8 million copies worldwide, peaked at number two on the Billboard 200 chart. Behind? Behind Faith by George Michael. Ah. If you haven't caught that episode, go check out the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast episode on George Michael's Faith versus NXS Kick. That's right. So listen to this. The week that it topped out at number two was June 18th of 1988. Okay. Number one was Faith. Number two was Open Up and Say Ah. Number three was Hysteria. We've also covered that. Number four was Dirty Dancing. We've also covered we've that. We've covered that. Number five is OU812, which we're going to cover in about a month. Number nine is Appetite for Destruction. Number 10 is Bad. Out of that top 10, we will have knocked out seven track-by-track -track albums. Three more to go, then. We're awesome. <laughs> yeah. This album was originally supposed to be produced by Paul Stanley. Okay. Now, he got wrapped up in his own album at the time, Crazy mm -hmm. Crazy Nights, but he was a hero to them. And in fact, Bobby Dahl has that bass with Paul Stanley's face on it. And he, he plays it through all these videos. The other interesting thing is that they covered Rock and Roll All Night for the Less Than Zero soundtrack, right? Mr. Rocket. Thank you. 
makes an appearance in the video. Yeah, it for does. Nothing but a good time. At that, the very beginning. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Tom Worman produced this album. Yeah. Tom Worman's the guy he's worked with. Motley Crue, like he did Shout Out the Devil. Uh, he did Girls, Girls, Girls. Yep. They got a legit producer. You know, I heard Brett talk about how Look What the Cat Dragged In was just a glorified demo. It took him 12 days to record that. Wow. wow. So this one, they actually dug in, got a real producer, produced a real album. And it's all parties and limousines. All right, guys, are we ready to jump in track by track? Let's do it, yeah, man. I'm ready. Let's go. All right. First song out of the gate is a song called Love on the Rocks. Right out of the box. Great opening guitar riff. Just hits you right in the face. Track one. This is the perfect opening song for the album. I like the line in there. I think I told you guys earlier that the original title of the album was called Swallow This. And you've got that, she's my poison, so why don't you swallow this? Right. Call back to the original title there. I love the fast-paced nature of this song. I think this might have been a, another single, perhaps, for them to release. It's a great one, right? This one begs to be thumped out of my speakers driving down the road. <laughs> Temple. I mean, if, if you're going to put some tent poles on the beginning of the album, the end of the album, this is a great song as your first one out of the gate. Poison had its own way of snagging groupies. So Bobby Dahl, anytime he licked his fingers and pointed, that was his clue to the roadies. That's the girl. Brett Michaels would point out his selection either during the drum solo or during the guitar solo. Gave him some time to look around. Less likely to have a mistake that way, too. Like... <laughs> You're pointing, you're licking your fingers and pointing to a crowd. Right. And then the Brody's like, this one? How about <laughs> Not this, her. this one? This one? This one? Are you serious? Now listen, here's what Ricky Rocket would do. He yeah. would throw his drumsticks at the one he would. <laughs> <laughs> My eye! <laughs> you know, Dale, you and I were talking before we started recording. Poison always advertised that they were all about having a good time and rock and roll. Yeah, this checks all those boxes. We, we talked before, this is not U2, this is not the Beatles, this is fun, ear candy rock and roll. That's right. Kick-ass arena rock. Yeah. yeah. It's not Living Color. Right. We're going to talk about Living Color next week. Yeah. Living Color is a great rock band, but they're more political, they're more conscientious, there's, you know... Intelligent. Smarter, yeah. <laughs> Better musicians. Yes. So that's going to be an interesting comparison, but this is just straight fun rock and roll. Okay, we're ready to jump into track number two. Let's go to maybe the single greatest party rock song of the 1980s. This song is called Nothing But A Good Time. Yeah, this is a fantastic song. I, I think the opening is a, a great guitar riff, maybe second only to Talk Dirty To Me. I think this was the mega hit that really established them as super rock stars. Yeah, this was the first single 
off of the album. Mm -hmm. This is a combination of a guitar riff by CC and a chorus by Brett. They go together seamlessly. It is perfection. It's a song for the working people. <laughs> the people that are breaking their backs every day, right? right? Yeah. It's totally relatable. It's for the working man. We've all had jobs that we hate and we just want to turn on the rock music. for the guys back in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. That's exactly right. I definitely would say this is the greatest party rock song of the 80s. It is everything that Poison advertised themselves to be. You see, I, I raise a toast to all of us who are breaking our backs every day. If only a good life is such a crime, It's a great, crunchy lick. The chorus is singable, something we can relate to. The guitar solo is fantastic. And then you've got that like pumping drums in the middle of it when it kind of breaks down. Mm -hmm. So fun. Love it. By the way, it was released in April of 88. Made it to number six on the charts. Mm -hmm. Do you want to hear them? Oh, yeah. I definitely you want to hear them. Yeah, what, okay. what, beat, what beat this song out? Here are the five songs that are better than Nothing But A Good Time in 88. Number five. Dirty Diana by Michael Jackson. That's fair. That okay. is honestly That's fair. That's a fantastic song. Yeah. Number four, New Sensation by NXS. Like it? Well, it's yeah. A good, it's, it's a really good I song, mean, it's right? it's 1988 hard, yeah. Number three, Pour Some Sugar On Me. Well, obviously, oh, can't yes. Can't that one. No. Okay. Number two, Mercedes Boy by Pebbles. Ooh. Well, now we have our loser. <laughs> <laughs> I like Pebbles and I like Mercedes Boy, but come on. Nothing but nah, a good time? No way. The number one song this week in 1988, that by the way, that's July of 88, is The Flame by Cheap Trick. Yeah, it's a great not, song, good right? Song, my, good not song. my bag, but yeah, yeah, I can understand. That was, a, that was a huge, huge song back then. Yeah. Okay. Can we talk about the video for a second? First, let me say, the video starts off with that song, just like you said, starts off with... Rock and Roll All Night. Yes. The one that they had covered off of from Kiss. Mm -hmm. And there's a guy washing dishes listening to this song. Mm -hmm. That guy was the same guy who was in the Motley Crue video, You're All I Need. Now, I was hoping I to blow your mind with that. I know that. So, but that being said, I'm, I'm going to show you guys this. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, you know, podcast audience that you can't see this. But look at the cover for the single for this song, right? Yes, right. Now I'm going to show you the cover for the single for wow. the Motley Crue song. Okay. Like, they're identical, Very guys. Similar, if yeah. you want to go check out the You're All I Need single cover versus the Nothing But A Good Time single cover, they may very well be standing in front of the exact same curtain. <laughs> like, literally, the arms are around each other in the exact same way. Like, it is uncanny how alike these two albums are. <laughs> crazy that's the song you're all i need the one i said was the best song off girls 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 that you ripped me for last summer yeah it's terrible <laughs> it is still terrible no it's so good so that's the guy who kills his girlfriend in the you're all i need video yeah okay i just want to play something for you all right oh. i want to play you the song deuce by kiss mm-hmm what do you think First five notes are the same five notes. Okay. I thought it sounded pretty similar. Yeah, it's, it is definitely very... It's a variation on a theme, I would say. But I would say CC pulled it off better. Yeah. 
Agree. It's more of a upbeat a, a yes. version of that riff. He mm-hmm. twists it up instead of letting it kind of... They let the air out of it on Kiss. But yes. I'm also not the biggest Kiss fan, so you're probably not going <laughs> to convince me otherwise on that one. So the director on this video is a guy named Mark Reshevsky, right? Okay. This was only his second directing attempt. First one was a band called Bonfire and Sleeping Alone. This is his second one. The next one was Britney Fox, Girls' School. Yeah, Brittany Fox. Yeah. yeah. Then he did Cinderella Coming Home, which is we're going to be covering later on this year. Cinderella versus yep. W812, That's right? right? Yep. And then a couple videos later, he was doing Skid Row, I Remember You, which we covered on our Motley Crew versus Skid Row combination from, was it last year? That was two years, two years ago. Two years yeah. ago. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. That's a pretty good string of hit songs mm-hmm. right there, hair metal hits. Coming Home may be my favorite song off of Long Cold Winter. You'll have to stick around and listen to that episode to find out. Okay, so in this video, you and I were talking about how this is a theme that Poison has throughout their videos. Mm -hmm. There's number one, constant movement, high energy, flashy clothes, tons of clothing changes, tons of different guitars, bright colors. Big hair, especially on CC. Big hair, those pyrotechnics, they get too close to them. Yeah. (laughs) Right? CeCe's got that giant skull guitar that's really cool. Mm -hmm. You have tons of pyro, and it all finishes off with loads of confetti. It's like they're inviting you to have fun with them. Yeah. What I love in the middle of this video, they're all holding their guitars over their head, and they're kind of doing this pump action, and then the pyro is going off behind them, and, you know, Ricky's pounding the drums. It's just so much fun. I, I don't I don't know how anybody can resist this song. Yeah, I've said it over and over again. It's candy for the ear. You know, it's a guilty pleasure, and it's a fantastic song. I defy Cameron Eckert to say this is not a great <laughs> song. <laughs> we love you, Cameron. <laughs> All right, we done with this one, guys? I think so, yeah. All right. We're on to the next song. This song is called Back to the Rocking Horse. This is a definitely a toe tapper, a pencil tapper song. This great, great drum, great drum track. This is easy to listen to for sure. That cowbell is infectious, <laughs> right? I got a fever. <laughs> <laughs> you got CC's guitars. You've got that catchy chorus. This is a level down from Nothing But a Good Time, but it's still a fun, good time rock and roll song. I like that chorus where they kind of bring in a little harmonization to it as well. They do that on another another song or two on this album too. I think that's yep. kind of fun. I'm with you. I think that uh, the line, my parents think I'm crazy and the doctor says I've cracked was kind of appealing to me as a 15 year old. Sure. You know, <laughs> I think this is a great name for a podcast, Back to the Rocking Horse, <laughs> because that's what we do here at the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. We go back in time. I'm back to the The time when we didn't have any responsibility and all we had was time and fun. Back to the rocking horse. Okay? We good? All right. Good. All right. That brings us to the next song. That song is called Good Love. This is a good song. It's not my favorite one on the album. I do like how they brought in the harmonica there at the beginning. That's pretty unique to this album. It's like they invited Huey Lewis onto this album, right? right. It's not my favorite, but I I still like it. It's not a skipper. I definitely think it's got that bluesy feel. It's more uh, more Aerosmith. Yeah. 
Almost like a southern rock feel. Yeah, it's Brett Michaels who's playing the harmonica on this one. This was kind of a hidden gem for me. I was I was pleased to hear them do this more bluesy sound. I, I dig it. It's a nice standard blues mix. And yeah, I agree that the harmonica coming in is pretty cool. I heard Corey Glover from Living Color talk about how hip hop, rock, Heavy metal all has its roots in blues. 100%. Hmm. It's kind of interesting that you get Poison on one branch, Living Color on another, and then Beastie Boys on another. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I've got some interesting medical history on Brett Michaels, okay? First of all, at age six, they found out that he was insulin dependent, diabetic. Hmm. He said uh, at age six, he was feeling really terrible. He actually stayed in the hospital for three weeks. Throughout his career, he was constantly giving himself injections. He even had to run off stage one time, three songs into a set. But listen to this. So in 1994, after a night of partying, Brett crashed his Ferrari into a telephone pole, knocked out all of his front teeth, uh, messed up his face, broke his nose. In 2009, he was hit over the head with a prop while performing Nothing But A Good Time. In 2010, had a whole bunch of pain, realized that he needed to have an emergency appendectomy. From that appendectomy, he had a blood clot that worked its way to his brain. So he had a major brain hemorrhage that almost killed him. Right, I remember that. I mean, he was knocking on death's door, Mm -hmm. had to have brain surgery. And then in 2011, they found out he had a birth defect, had a hole in his heart. Mm -hmm. It hasn't all been nothing but a good time for Brett Michaels. Kind of an interesting medical history there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, so now we are getting ready to talk about the song, Tearing Down the Walls. Okay, guys, this is my favorite of the non-singles. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I love this song. I, it, you were We were talking earlier, you don't really like this one so much. It's not my favorite. I, I think it starts out a little slow. When, once you get to the bridge, to the, through the chorus, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. Uh, but doesn't have the, the kickstart that some of these other songs do on the album, so maybe I'm, I'm spoiled by that up to this point. It's but. a little more low-key. Yeah. I kind of, I like the guitar riff at the beginning. I, the, I, I, I dig that beginning. And then you were saying that you like it where it bridges into the chorus, right? So let's listen to that here. That's great. I like that too. I think my favorite is when they kind of break it down and do the drums. It's very pour some sugar on me style uh, of you know you're just singing over that kicking drum beat. I that's my favorite part. It's yeah. it's a cool little ditty that I'm surprised didn't come out as a single. Me too, right? This is the song that I used to thump going to baseball practice from <laughs> my high school parking lot to the baseball field. I don't know. We just for whatever reason we love this one. Yeah. When he says. Uh, you're my silhouette ecstasy-like sex on the beach. As a 15-year-old, we were like, heck yeah, man. <laughs> Sounds great. Sign me up. But uh, Drinking or doing, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, right? Party time, rock and roll. 
I hate to leave this one so early, but uh, maybe I'll just play it a little longer when I do the editing process here. <laughs> okay, so that's the end of side one. Hit stop on your tape player, kick it out, flip it over, side two. And we start off with look, but you can't touch. All right, this is another one with a great, great guitar intro. I love it. I love how it goes from the opening riff to CC to drums to vocals, how it just layers on that transition. I think it's fantastic. Uh, this is a song about a girl that tells Brett Michaels no. Kind of a rare thing in yeah, 1988, right? I might have to write a song about this. Uh, <laughs> Am I remembering right that he had a reality show? That Rock was of Love, man. Yes. About him telling other girls no? He did. That well, was sort of. Back so in 2006. I think I watched one episode of that, and it was when it was down to the last two. Yeah. And one of the two thought the way to seal the victory for herself was to... To open up and say, ah, if you will. Uh-huh. Well, I kind of thought all of them did that. <laughs> well, it didn't work out. Really? It did not did work out. Did he turn out. her down? He, yes. He was, and, and so much as to say, well, I already know what's in this package. I'd like to go see what's in that other package. Oh. <laughs> so one of them was a stripper. The uh-huh. final two. One was a stripper. <clears throat> one was more wholesome, I guess you could say. Uh-huh. And there was all this discussion. Wait, wait, wait. Good girls go to heaven, bad bad girls girls go go to hell. hell. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So there was a lot of talk amongst the girls. I remember this because my wife and I watched this series together. And there was a lot of discussion about, okay, he's not going to pick you because guess what the song Every Rose Has Its Thorn is about? It's about a stripper who broke Brett's heart. Why would he pick you? And so there was all this kind of catfighting going back and forth on who who he was going to pick anyway. It was... So you picked the good girl? He picked the good girl. And later, the good girl, they, it didn't work out. Shock. Right, right, right. The good girl actually came back and said, you know what, Brett, you should have picked the other one. You should have picked oh, her. That's you would, right. You would have been wow. more happy with her than you would have been with me. Wow. Wow. So she did tell him, though. She did. Yeah. Write a song about that. (laughs) I I think this one could have been another single. I I don't know how the Tipper Gore faction would have thought about this song in terms of its lyrics and its ideas, but... So I I agree with you. I think this could have been a single. It does tell a story about the girl, you know, look but you can't touch. The equivalent to this song from Look What the Cat Dragged In, to me, is I Want Action. Mm -hmm. It's goofiness, and it's fun, and it's about sex, and strippers, and funny lyrics, crunchy guitars, killer guitar solo. Mm -hmm. A lot of fun. Again, constantly rock and roll fun. All right. On to the second song on side two. Huge song from summer of 1988. This song's called Fallen Angel. I probably watched this video over the last few days. I probably watched it 20 times. (laughs) I love this video. Okay, cool. Fantastic. All right, Dale, what do you think, man? This is my favorite song on the entire album. What? I 
spiking the football. This is it. This is it for me. Great guitar intro again. I'm, I'm going to take back what I said earlier. This is my second favorite guitar intro for Poison after Talk Dirty to Me. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's strong. That is strong, right? Again, they're going with the layering as you know it goes from intro guitar, drums, CC, and then the vocals. It's fantastic. Uh, I like how they do the harmonizing in the chorus where they're singing the word angel. It's a fantastic guitar solo there at the end by CC as well. So you've got that great hook opening the song up. You've got a fantastic chorus. The song tells a story, it's mature songwriting. Cece kills it with the guitar solo. If it were not for the absolute next level of another song we're gonna talk about here in a minute, this would be the best song in the album. Okay. So I, I absolutely love this song. And for me, lyrically, this is their most mature works on the album. This song was their second single, made it all the way to number 12. Correct. Take it. Number 12 on the Billboard Hot 100. Now then, I've got a list for you. I just want to pop this off really quick. The 11 songs that are better than this. Don't Be Cruel by Bobby Brown. Please Don't Go Girl by the New Kids on the Block. No. Not a chance, right? Mm -mm. What's On Your Mind by the Information Society. Good song. I Hate Myself for Loving You by Joan Jett. Mm -hmm. That's a winner. I'll Always Love You by Taylor Dane. Ouch. Mm -hmm. Groovy Kind of Love. One Good Woman by Peter Cetera. Don't Be Cruel by Cheap Trick. We got two, two Don't, don't Be, be Cruels ahead of this. Wow. Don't Worry, Be Happy. Red Red Wine and Love Bites. This was the week that Love Bites hit number one. Red Red Wine is on my Doug Gray list of I'm going to pull my ears off. It's a terrible song, yes. All right, we got to talk about the video. The acting at the beginning is awful. So you have this girl named Susie Hatton, who was a singer-songwriter, actress... Brett's girlfriend. Brett's girlfriend. She's the fallen angel. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning, she's like, Dad, I got something I want to tell you. What is it, honey? <laughs> Dad, I'm moving to California, and I want to leave tonight. Like, oh, no. And he looks over, and Mom's overacting to the fullest. Dad, there's something I want to talk to you about. Oh, sure, honey. What is it? Well, I've decided to Move? Move? Where? To California. Yeah, it's it's bad acting. So you got Anthony James in this. He's her uh, handler. Okay, I've got uh, a, I've got info on Anthony James. Are give it ready? to me. Let's have it. Okay. So you pointed out to us earlier in the week that he was in Naked Gun Two and a Half. He's getting ready to assassinate Priscilla Presley while she's in the shower. Right. And he starts singing the way we were. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He was also. All right, the proprietor of the saloon slash billiard establishment in Unforgiven. How about that? Skinny. And unfortunately, he's no longer with us. He died in 2020. He was age 77, died of cancer. But yeah, very recognizable face. If you saw it, you'd be like, oh yeah, that's that guy. Yeah, he is a definite that guy. Now here's the thing. When he's dragging the fallen angel, you know, she leaves the dinner party, goes out to grab her, kind of roughs her up a little bit. She kicks him in the balls. <laughs> I mean, it's he a Three it. Stooges-like performance. <laughs> Grabs his nuts, falls over, and then, of course, she gets on Brett's Hollywood taxi.
Right. So you have to look really quickly because it's a very quick shot of the gas tank on his Harley Davidson. It's a, a Heritage Softail Harley Davidson motorcycle. Okay. Painted yellow. It's got some black and white checkering stripes, which typical of the taxi cabs of the day. Yes. So. Brett rolls up in this thing. It also makes appearances in other Poison videos, Unskinny Bop, and also Ride the Wind, both off of Flesh and Blood. Yeah. This particular motorcycle is not on the road anymore, but okay. you can see it if you want to. Interesting. Okay. okay. We're going to go to Mexico. Yeah. Okay. We're going to go to a town. We, you and I, are, we're going well, to Mexico. All three of us are going to go, okay. right? <laughs> yes. A, so there's a town on the Yucatan Peninsula. It's called Puerto Aventuras. Yeah. I've been to Puerto Aventuras before. Okay. We did not stay at this particular hotel, which is the Hard Rock Riviera. They have a suite there called the Brett Michaels Rockstar Suite. Wow. Get out of here. Inside the suite. I sent you guys a picture of it earlier this week. Yes. There is a glass encasement inside the suite that has the Hollywood taxi. Nice. Hanging next to it is the guitar from the video for Every Rose Has Its Thorn that Brett is playing at the beginning. Wow. The, the acoustic guitar he's playing at the beginning. It's hanging right next to it. I called this hotel to see if they could talk to me about it. I was asking about rates. Yes. They didn't really want to tell me. I think it's one of those suites where if you have to ask how much it is, you can't afford it. Yeah. It's 9,000 square feet. Oh my wow. gosh. Has its own gym. It's got a beautiful veranda. Looks out over the Gulf of Mexico. Dang. So you, you and your significant other, your girlfriend, wife, can go there and stand in front of this big glass encasement and do whatever you want to do in the privacy of your own hotel room. All right, Shirley fans. <laughs> the challenge is, can you send the three of us to the Hard Rock Riviera? I'm just kidding. That would be awesome. I'd love to stay in there and, and see the Hollywood taxi. Yeah, That's you really fly cool. to Cancun. You drive south on, I think it's Highway 307 there, right, right along the coast. So this video, Fallen Angel, the director had directed a video right before this video called Angel. Care to guess Aerosmith. the band? There you Aerosmith, go. Yeah. And he was hot off of a three set of videos that he had done for a band that we've covered and is probably responsible for making sure that this band was a success. Okay. This singer had his girlfriend in the video and showed up with his Jaguar that wouldn't run. You got it? Whitesnake. You got it. Mm. Marty Kulner, yeah, the guy who Marty is Kulner. responsible for HBO and its success, who's responsible for a ton of videos, and this was early on in his video career, had just finished up doing his Whitesnake run and started, hit Scorpions, hit Aerosmith, and here we are with Fallen Angel, his first video, for poison, he would go on to do "Every Rose Has Its Thorn," "Unskinny Bop," and something to believe in. I just Great listened videos. to our episode on "Get a Grip" on Aerosmith, and he did the crazy video, and he was the guy responsible for bringing Liv Tyler in. Hey, Stephen, I want your daughter to be a stripper in this video. Is that cool? <laughs> so, how about that? There you go. Okay, now then, are we done with "Fallen Angel"? Yes, because we are about to embark on what D says is the greatest rock ballad of the 1980s. Stand by it. This song is called Every Rose Has Its Thorn. <sighs> <sighs> That's great. <laughs> <laughs>
I can name that song in one side. <laughs> so we talked about the song when we did our best of 1988. We did. You yeah. said it, it starts with a sigh and was inspired by a cough, right? That's right. And you mentioned a little bit earlier dating a stripper, and it was a guy in the stripper's bedroom that Brett Michaels overheard on the phone as he was calling her to see what was up. Yeah. And he, he was realized a... we, we both got to go our separate ways. Why is there a guy in your bedroom at three o'clock in the morning? <laughs> he was in a laundromat in Dallas, Texas. That's right. Yeah. My town. Yes. Where he made that phone call. Uh huh. Right after a set at a country bar. Mm. Yeah, yeah. This song, first radio station to play this song was a country station, and we talked about in our best of '88 episode. It topped the rock charts, it topped the Hot 100, and it topped the country charts. I mean, it's crazy. It was the last number one song of 1988 and the first number one song of 1989. Their only number one hit, and you were talking about his girlfriend Tracy Lewis. Yeah, I heard Brett talk about this. I listened to his story today. He called back. She answered the phone. She's acting sleepy. She's trying to dump him on the phone. Like, I can't talk right now. I'm really tired. Call me tomorrow. And he hears a <coughs> in the background. Oops. And it was a male cough. And at that moment, his heart breaks. And I know that you would be here right now if I could have let you know somehow. I guess every rose has its thorn. And it, I think it's so cool that you have rock star, guy can have any girl in the world, still manages to get his heart broken. We can all relate. And that relationship, he said they were, they went everywhere together and they were best friends. And then all of a sudden, it's over. Yeah, that's that's the theme of the song, of the song right? You can have all these things as a rock star girls money drugs whatever right but there's always something that can that can hit you that can prick you like a like a like a like a thorn that's alright that's funny we'll leave it in <laughs> by the way Tracy Lewis is her name she's an exotic dancer they dated from 84 to 87. She was 16 when they started seeing each other. And rumor is that she was with another band member from the LA strip scene at that moment and that Brett knew him personally, but he has never released his name. Hmm. Got an idea. <laughs> yeah. Vince Neil? I mean, it could be Vince Neil, right? Maybe. Definitely possible. You and I both had this in our top five of 88. And you still turn up the radio when it comes on. This is in that pour some sugar on me category. It does not get old. I told you that when I bought, when I had the tape, it said, had a little sticker on it. it says, contains the hits. Nothing but a good time. Fallen angel. And every rose has its thorn. And I remember when I got that tape, I was like, how did they know that it's going to be a hit? I mean, they're, they're, they're calling their shot with that one. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting because the record company did not want to release this song. They said, it's too cowboy, it's too slow, it's not poison. And Brett was like, no, I believe in this song. We need to release it. We've played it live. It works live. And the guys in the band backed him up on it. And I think he has mentioned that CeCe wasn't really a big fan of the song initially, but stood up for Brett, stood up to the record company, and they agreed to release it as the third single. And Brett's an emotional guy. He, he 
poured his feelings out in uh, in something to believe in. Flesh and Blood. On the Flesh and Blood album, yeah. Yeah. There's a couple things in the video I want to point out. Okay. First of all, Bobby Dahl looks like he's about to die in the video. Oh, yeah. He's like passing out. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they're like hauling his dead bones off the stage. Yeah. And every time I see that, I'm like, what? What happened there? You How know? did he live through the right. 80s and 90s? Seriously. Yeah. And also, there is a shot where Brett is throwing a towel at somebody as he's walking off stage. And you see this kind of big Samoan-looking fellow next to him. Chemo. Yeah, that's his bodyguard. Yeah. That's the guy who died. Correct. And Something to Believe In was written about that guy. Mm -hmm. How about that? Yeah. Chemo? Chemo. CeCe's sad guitars in this gets me every time. Yeah, it's not speed metal. It doesn't need to be speed metal. It is soulful, beautiful, hits you right in the feels. Song about getting dumped. Yeah, been there, done that. All right, now then, that brings us to the song Your Mama Don't Dance. I think this song, maybe more than any, or at least as much as any on the on the album, showcases CC's talents right from the beginning. Yeah, this is a cover of an old Loggins and Messina song. We talked about Kenny Loggins a little bit when we did our Footloose episode, as well as our Top Gun episode. That's right. And his relationship with Messina and how they kind of fed off of each other. But you're right. When the intro sounds very similar, a little you know, a little heavier on the guitar at the intro, but then CC comes in with that lead, and you're like, oh no, this is poison. This is not the folk rock of Loggins and Messina. This is yeah. glam rock that we love from the 80s. You know, when we did Use Your Illusion 1 with Guns N' Roses, they did a cover of Live and Let Die. And I remember at the time, Slash and Axel were listening to old songs that they could cover that they thought sounded like hard rock songs that needed to come out. And I, I think the same thing here. Like, when I listen to the original version of this, I'm like, it's kind of a bluesy, rocky song, but it's a hard rock song waiting to be born mm -hmm. again, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The old folks say that you gotta end your day by ten If you're out on a date and you bring it on late, it's a sin You just ain't Big hit from 1973. This one actually got to number 10. So I wanted to talk about that. This is the fourth single, reached number 10 in April of 89. Now I won't read through the songs that are that are better than this song, but I did want to point out something to you. Okay. In this top 16, there's a song that we talked about before called Room to Move by Animotion. Lead singer on that song is Cynthia Rhodes, star from Dirty Dancing. She's Penny. Wow, yeah. That was when that song peaked out on the charts. Also star of the Rosanna video. Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> that does not have Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze is in that video. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. <laughs> Great song. Love it. Fun. Good time.
again, they took a song that was just kind of bluesy rock, they turned it into a great pop rock song. All right, that brings us to the last song on the album. This song is called Bad To Be Good. Okay, so this one's really showcasing Bobby Dahl at the beginning. Nice bass riff coming in here. It's strong. You don't see him coming out as kind of the showcase in any of these other songs, but it really, he comes out in this song. I think he's, it's a great job. I like the song. It's not my favorite on the album, but not a skipper. I think it's a good, I think it's a good song. This is the only song on the album that I skip. Wow. This is the only one. And it's not because it's not a terrible song. It's just I'm ready to get back to Love on the Rocks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's that is awesome. Uh, before we like completely leave the album, I wanted to show you guys something. So I grabbed this picture off of a video. This is this is CC's guitar. Can yeah. you see that? Yeah. It's a little fuzzy, but can you see that face? Okay. Yeah. Does remind, remind you of anything? No. What you got? Okay. So it's by an artist named Patrick Nagel, and we've talked about him before. Yes. The Duran Duran Rio cover. So nice. CeCe has a guitar that has the same artist that had created the cover for the Rio album. Same artist created the face that is on his guitar. Awesome. All right. So that wraps up the album. Let's talk reception real quick. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I found, I found something on this Rolling Stone magazine, 1988 review. Let me just read you the first paragraph. Okay. We'll, we'll see where it goes from there. The sole positive attribute of Open Up and Say Ah is that it very neatly illustrates the folly of banning album artwork. When the first pressing of Ah was shipped, the honchos at Walmart took one look at its grotesque cover, featuring a hellion in tiger stripe makeup with an, with an obscenely long tongue, and refused to stock it on their pristine racks, an act carried out in finest Save the Children t- tradition. <laughs> the sole positive attribute of this album. Yeah. So wow. Rolling Stone was not a fan. I don't care what they say. This is a pop rock masterpiece. I agree. We're 15 years old. You and I are 15 at the time. I think you're probably 12, D. Yeah. This was uh, a fantastic album for the teenager. Yeah. Right. Is this going to change the world? No. Is this going to make people think? No. Is this going to make people have a good time? Yeah. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is, these guys were hanging on to the glam still. I mean, you'd gone through it with the 70s glam rock. You've gone through it with Kiss. Motley Crue brought it back in. By this time, heck, by this time, Motley Crue started to take off their makeup and drive their motorcycles with the stubble to the strip club. But these guys are still hanging on to the glam. And for the MTV generation, the pop metal guys, uh, it is a definite hit. I love it. Yeah. This is literally nothing but a good time. Like, we're going to talk later, the album that we're going to compare to this album is the album by Living Color called... Vivid. And it is not necessarily nothing but a good time. It is. It is much, much more than that. But the question is, at the end of it all, are we going to grab the one that makes us feel good, or are we going to grab the one that, well, we'll just see how Vivid makes us feel, right? Absolutely. All right. We'll come back next week when we break down Vivid... Track by track by Living Color. See you guys then. Dale, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. Dale, good to see you, buddy. Thank you for being here, man. Thank you for inviting me. Appreciate it. Had a lot of fun. We will see you guys next week.